another day, another episode. Today is May 4th, Monday, May 4th, 2020, and uh, another glorious day here in Northern California. And I want to start and jump right into it and start talking about something that I just came across. Um, so Stephen Pressfield has this book. I guess it's more of a guide, guide, guidebook, book guide that um, he mentions asking the question. Or yeah, whenever you're doing a project, to step back and ask the question, what is this about? Because when you start getting into the details of a project, whatever that may be, it's different for everybody. There's a lot of different projects you can do. You need to think, take a step back and like why assess why exactly you're doing that project. So the project I'm talking about, I'm referencing here, is the project that I'm doing for my sharpest minds mentorship and it is around detecting misinformation on Twitter in tweets and this is is a the 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 issue of misinformation and disinformation is a big hairy one right especially in our digital age in our technological age and uh, there's a book I've been reading called Active Measures. I'll look up the author here. Let's see. Active Measures. The Secret History of Disinformation and Political Warfare by Thomas Ridd. And it has been a fantastic book so far. Really enjoyed it. And it's it, it kind of opens opens your eyes a little bit like it, this isn't an issue that just popped up. It's just changed form, right? Disinformation has always been a part of, I guess you could say, human history, and particularly uh, the Cold War. Um, it was, in a sense, perfected by the KGB. And they used it ruthlessly. Almost to the point where they distorted the facts so much that um, there were instances where the KGB or other departments within the KGB didn't even know what was going on or may have even fallen victim to their own disinformation, which is interesting. So this issue... The issue of disinformation is something that... So this project is attempting to relay the content or determine content that could be misinformation, uh, particularly focused around COVID-19. Because um, information, uh, I guess you could say cleanliness, 
There's another word for it, but I'm forgetting it at the moment. Making sure, essentially what that means is making sure that people are getting the best information possible and are not injecting uh, disinfectant into themselves or taking things that are in fish cleaners. So those those are just two such examples. There's other other nefarious narratives that are being put out there that could potentially put people at risk. And when you take a step back from that and think like why would what is the point of pushing fake like, with lack of a better term, fake news, right? What's the, the, the purpose of pushing that? What is the purpose of pushing a particular narrative to the person that's pushing it, right? And then I just, you kind of have to take a step back again and look at where this content is originating from, right? You need to understand the actors involved and what their methods what, what are they trying to push here, right? What, what type of message are they trying to get across? How is this going to help them, right? What's the long-term aim? Because there's always, I mean, of course, there are instances where this is, there's actors that just are causing mayhem to cause mayhem, kind of in a sense, like the Joker did, does in Batman, right? Joker, the Joker just causes havoc for Batman, and that, that this can get into a whole nother talk about um, the chaos versus uh, the chaos of Joker versus the, I guess you could say sanity, but in a way that, in, in, a, in an interesting way, Batman himself is also slightly insane because you have an individual who believes that he has the capability to go out and fight crime, right? So, in a bat suit. So, there's there's a lot of variables being played, or a lot of things that can be unpacked there. But back to disinformation, the Joker. He just causes chaos to have cause chaos, in a sense. And I think in the uh, not bat uh, Dark Knight Returns, right? Is that no, that's no, that's Bane. Um, the Dark Knight. I believe that's the one with the Joker, with Heath Ledger's Joker, and he the Joker. There was a scene in it that Alfred's describing to. Batman about an instance of him uh, I believe he was in Africa and there is uh, a, a ruby there's a, a bandit they were trying to catch that was stealing or there was like a trading route and he was stealing this bandit was stealing stuff stealing rubies and then Alfred the character he 
if one day they come across these roof, uh, the, there's a child playing with one of these rupees and the size of his, the size of his fist, right? And what they can't come to learn is that this bandit had been dumping his spoils, essentially, away. He was really just stealing for the act of stealing. There was no... There was no motive past that. It was chaos for chaos's sake, almost. So, to get back to how this relates to disinformation, that's it's interesting to view because there are certainly actors... Um, that are just pushing out chaos for chaos. And in a way, they're also those individuals or those actors that are pushing content and fake information out there to make a buck. Because when you look at you know advertising these days, particularly online advertising, it's, it's based on the, the underlying market there is keeping people on screens, right? Keeping their eyes, keeping them engaged. So content that is going to keep them engaged is going to thus make more money or provide the opportunity for more monetary compensation. So that being said, the more engaging the content you can make, the more money you can make, right? So usually content has to incite some emotion and one of the most powerful emotions that it can incite is an anger or sadness or fear. Anger and fear are two big ones, right? So we've just unpacked disinformation from being fake news, you know, something that somebody in St. Petersburg, Russia, or some, I guess, lack of a better term, troll in St. Petersburg puts out uh, a fake news story on some fake Twitter account, right? And we've just unpacked it, and we can keep going. We've just unpacked it that this... There's more than that. There's more than meets the eye when it comes to this issue, right? It's not just that troll in St. Petersburg. It's human nature, and I, I say that kind of hesitantly because that's you know a broad subject in and of itself as well, but it brings into, you have to take for account the, the, the human side of this equation, right? So, what I mean by that is, to drive that engagement, they have to drive emotion, essentially. And there is a lot of things that you can drive um, emotions with, right? And a lot of these are higher level, could be viewed from a higher level societal issues, right? So, one that was particularly effective um, in the 26th or leading up to the 2016 election was race in the United States. And to use them as an example, the Internet Research Agency, there's plenty of work that's been done around their campaign. But what they would do is they play two sides of the equation or two sides of the issue. So they were particularly prevalent within black communities um, online and created fake accounts um, that pushed the narrative of, oh, Hillary isn't, and this is, there's a lot of nuance that I'm skipping over here, but essentially the driver was, don't vote for Hillary, she doesn't know, 
um, she doesn't understand this issue around race. And then they play the other side, um, the, the, the right, I guess you could say, that would, that conservative um, ethos, uh, it, things like Texas secessionists. Um, there's actually instances where, I haven't read too much into this, but there's evidence that um, in Catalonia, at Barcelona, their own independence movement, the narrative there was being manipulated, kind of similar to a secessionist, how a secessionist would be, like a Texas secessionist. So there were events put together, like actual events by the Internet Research Agency where they would combine, um, they would have an event, uh, they would have, uh, you know, one of these secessionist groups or one of these more conservative groups have an event the same day across the street from a, uh, Islam, uh, or some event for or oriented around Islam, right? So there's, they, they presented the opportunities for conflict. And when you further drive in the narratives of these particular groups, right, the further entrenched they're going to be in how their perspectives are in their perspectives of the world. So you're looking at fundamentally the fundamentals of a person's being, right? So disinformation isn't necessarily about fake news. It's about our identities as individuals. And the project, this, what this project is about, to kindly finally circle back to how this is relevant to my project, is there, it is a tool to hopefully make something that's more preventative, right? There's, I've been kind of inspired by people like Tristan Harris of the Center for Humane Technology, um, by uh, Rachel Botsman around trust and developing trust, because this is this is something. It kind of goes back to the human nature side of things. It's there is a lack of trust, right? There's deteriorating trust within institutions, and low trust is not a good thing on a societal level, right? I mean, case in point, Soviet Union. That was an example of a low trust society. And another individual uh, that I'd like to kind of give a shout out to is extremely uh, smart. He's also from the Center for Humane Technology and that's Aza Raskin. They've kind of influenced me in such a way because all their, like, how do we build not only trust in the information, right? Because we need to be able to trust the information that we're getting and trust that it's accurate. And then how do we create technology that not only can combine that, or can guarantee 
that trust or ensure it to such a level where it's viewed as trustworthy, right? Because nothing is perfect, unfortunately. But then also, how do we make technology that augments individuals' well-being, right? It doesn't doesn't steer them. Well, it steers them towards outcomes that are better for them, but allows them to have the autonomy to determine, hey, this is an option. Or basically, it's presenting options to the individual. It's giving information, reliable information. And... Because this gets in, it gets in into effect. Uh, asks or poses the question: uh, Who? I mean, the kind of the the at the altar of freedom of speech, right? Like, how how can one individual say that this is not allowed, right? So you're running into issues of freedom of speech, which is something that, I mean, is kind of a Western, as Western society goes, is something that's prized, and particularly in the United States, it's prized, right? But then again, you also look at things like, so this, backtrack a little bit, this poses the question, how can how can we how can we prevent disinformation from being out there, right? So taking down something that is labeled disinformation, how do we skirt that issue that we're inevitably going to run into of an individual that is looking for that content, right? But this brings us back to there are certain limits to freedom of speech. So one such example, and it's been used by, I've heard it often, is you can't yell fire in a movie theater, right? Because that speech could potentially threaten individuals. So it's essentially determining a threshold for that. Like, what is the threshold with this? Especially on a platform that is supposed to be, or platforms that prize openness, I guess you could say. And that's kind of up for debate, too. But... It's a, it's a, there's plenty of sub-components of this issue that need to be addressed, right? It's not just simple yes or no, and that's often what people want to boil it down to, right? Particularly when it comes to narratives. Um, narratives that uh, one group may not like about another. Because in a way, it kind of goes, <laughs> we're getting into a deeper end of the pool here. Because the issue we're talking about, it kind of goes, not issue, but the thing we're talking about is identity, right? Every single individual on earth 
as unique experiences, and this is going to sound cliche to some people, but it's truth, right? Everybody has a unique experience. Everybody has an experience that is unlike any other person's. Yes, there can be similarities, but there's differences. There's different genetic makeups. There's different um, upbringings. There's different innate talents, which kind of goes back to the genetics thing. There's a particular, the period you were born into, right? Um, There's the cultural, what's going on culturally. There's also the often overlooked fact that a lot of our drives are subconscious. You know, are are we really in control of our thoughts? And that's a, another thing that we can unpack here on a future episode. But, like, what... How do we... How do we allow people to be individuals? How do we allow them to be heard right while maximizing the clarity or the credibility of information how do we because that's i think it was daryl davis so that this kind of brings up a a point or something interesting there was a man named daryl davis who was on joe rogan's podcast to a black man who he has helped I think it was something along the lines of 200 plus people um, leave the KKK, right? And from his, it's rather remarkable what he's done. His ability, and I think it kind of boils down to like how he's been able to do this. How has somebody who is supposedly, or who is, hated by a particular group they're they're rate like this kkk is raised to hate black people or people of the other non-white people how is how is he able to one first connect with them or be able to open up a conversation and two how is he able to How was he able to, uh, I mean, that, that, that conversion process, right? How was he able to take him through? And from this episode, uh, from listening to him talk, it's largely based on listening in patience. That's at least what my takeaway from it was. He was willing to listen. And he was willing to hear them out. He was willing to kind of embrace the, in a sense, the, the suffering that comes with their, the ignorance around these viewpoints, right? But he listened. And he wasn't combative. He listened. And then this, is, this takes, there's a lot of skill associated with what he did. He he would interject. He, he wasn't afraid to, I guess, voice his concerns or present the other side of the coin, right? And there's that, right? So it's, it's not necessarily a question of 
it's not a question of telling them what's right or wrong. It's slowly introducing them to something new without making them uncomfortable. Or slightly uncomfortable. But nothing nothing too crazy, right? Just enough, just just a little bit crazy enough where it can't be shunned outright and presents the opportunity for an individual to you know think like okay well it kind of have the idea ruminate around in their head so i think that's a kind of the tool what is this about is is it's about i think right now kind of what i'm thinking is present the tool or create a tool in such a way that presents counter evidence right presents evidence against proposed information presents in such a way that they don't shun it but it, it's it's almost like inception like right with leonardo da vinci it plants it plants that seed of an idea and you have to keep watering it, yes. There's, there's definitely patience that needs to be practiced and a, a high level of it. And this is not an overnight process, right? And this is kind of how disinformation works in general. Is It's, it's a repeated expo- exposure and that's kind of how the, the strategy works, right? It, 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 disinformation, in a lot of sense, or in a lot of instances, is a truth with a lie, right? So it's like a, there is something true about the event. There's something, there, there was an actual leaked document, for example. But there's something different about it. Like in the case of the KGB, they would uh, make forgeries. They would take an actual document that they got from the CIA or the FBI or whatever and slightly change it. So there was it's a rather interesting process that they used, but it highlights that long-termness of this. It's not a one-off. There is rarely one-offs. There is always long-term trends that you need to look for, right? And you can't be captured by the emotions of the moment. Um, you need to take a step back. Okay, what is this? Well, you acknowledge the emotions of the moment, right? And then you see, okay, what, what, why are they trying to drive this emotion? What particular emotion are they trying to drive? And what particular wedge are they pr- trying to drive right here? What is this? What, what can this lead us to think about what the long-term goal is here, right? And it's an interesting, and this is something I need to think about more, but I think what this tool is going to be about is presenting counter-evidence in a way.
to misinformation and providing and this is this is where it kind of gets there's the difficulty of assessing the quality of information especially since I'm not a medical I'm not an expert in the medical domain so it's going to have to take a lot of rigorous thought and assessment on my part but presenting counter evidence that isn't too implausible for somebody to believe. So it's kind of, in a way, um, that's, I, th- I believe, or hypothetically believe, is an effective strategy. This is something that, unfortunately, it's, because it's so hairy and because it's so big, it's going to take, it's like a, Actually, a better word might be it's a dragon, right? And this is we're trying to conquer the dragon and the dra- multi-headed dragon. And each time you cut off a head, it grows two more. So it's definitely complicated, but it is nonetheless something that we need to confront. And our faith in freedom, I guess you could say, to kind of get patriotic, depends on it. So, we're nearing 30 minutes, talked, rambled for quite a while, kind of assessed what this, what I want this tool to be about, have an idea, now it's like Stephen Pressfield said, or Stephen Pressfield said, I need to get to work. So, until tomorrow, see what happens. Talk to you guys later. Bye-bye.